rain, just not on Sunday mornings, said every pastor everywhere. So a lot of transition, a lot of change that is happening, I know, in our family and probably in your family. Um, it is tough to believe that uh, I'm going to have a high schooler uh, come this fall. I know many families in here are, are having that transition of kids going to school, graduating from school, going to a different grade, and that can be very, very challenging. And, and as I look back on my uh, six years of high school, no, just four years of high school, uh, my favorite memory was not academic. I shouldn't say that, but it's true. It was not academic. It was athletic. I loved playing basketball. I loved playing high school basketball for my school. I loved the practices. I loved the games. I loved the rivalries. I loved the success that we had. I loved everything about high school basketball. But the memory that I take away the most is my time with Petey McDonald. Now, Petey wasn't a coach. Petey wasn't even a player. Petey was our team manager. And Petey was amazing on so many levels because the one thing you could always say about Petey McDonald is he was encouraging. He was the most encouraging person to this day that I have ever met in my entire life. He didn't care what the scoreboard said. He just cared about you. He always found something to encourage you about whether you played one minute or whether you played the whole game, whether you won or whether you lost. And you know that this is his 40th year of being the team manager at my high school. He's had such an amazing impact that there's a tradition at my high school that if you are a senior boys basketball player, you must take Petey home from practice and games. He's that much of a legend that fistfights have nearly broken out between seniors to have this privilege to take Petey home from games and practices because he's just such an encouraging individual. It's incredible. He's a legend in our town. He works at the Hope Incorporated Center, which kind of helps people, adults with learning disabilities. He, he brings the snack cart around and makes sure that everybody gets a snack. He doesn't just go to boys basketball games. He goes to every sporting event that my high school has, and he's known for his encouragement. And that's something that if we're all in as a Christ follower, we need to be known for. We need to be known as encouraging people because we have the most encouraging news in the gospel. There's nothing more encouraging than the word of God when it speaks to us. And if we're going to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind being all in and love our neighbors as ourselves, we have to be encouraging. First, we have to be encouraged by the word of God and then we need to be encouragers of the word of God. So we're going to take a look at a passage today from 1 Thessalonians. So if you have your Bibles, open them up. If you've got your phone, pull it up. If you don't have any of those things, then you can just look up and you can see it on the screen. So we're going to take a look at 1 Thessalonians. Paul is the author. He wrote to the church at Thessalonica. And he's talking to them about for those who believe in the power of the gospel, it will change them, it will transform them. And he's so excited because those in Thessalonica, they are living out the, the truth and the hope and the encouragement of the gospel. And he reminds them to put the word of God into practice every day in their lives. So 1 Thess Thessalonians 5 verse 1, let's start here. Now brothers and sisters... About times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, 
Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, but they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. You know, more than likely, Paul was responding to a question about the second coming of Jesus. When will Jesus come back? And we know that Jesus will come back. And if anybody, particularly a preacher, ever tells you that they know when Jesus is coming back, like he's coming Tuesday at 6 o'clock, they're lying. Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Not even the angels, but we do know that he is coming back. And let's be honest, if we did know when Jesus was coming back, wouldn't we treat it like a homework assignment? Like we'd wait till the very last second, we'd put it off, we'd put it off, and then all of a sudden we'd try to get it all done and get right so when Jesus comes back, we're good. See, Jesus will come back like a thief in the night, Paul says. Now, I don't know about you, and I hope that none of you have ever experienced being robbed, but typically robbers don't call and tell you when they're coming over. Typically, they don't say, hey, Friday, I'm going to be over. I'm probably going to take all your stuff. It's a surprise. It's a thief in the night. We don't know when Jesus will come back, but he will come back. And the question is, are we ready? Are we all in? Because when Jesus comes back, we're not going to be able to kind of all of a sudden try to get right with God in that moment. We're not going to be able to bargain. We're not going to be able to beg. We're not going to be able to do anything. In that moment, you are either all in or you're not all in when Jesus comes back. He says, Jesus will come back like a thief in the night. And he says, there will be those that are yelling peace and security. And what Paul is, is talking about here is there are those people who believe that they're just fine. They're like, oh, I'm good. I've got peace. I've got safety. I've got security. It's easy to have peace and security with God when you think you make up the rules. If you believe that you set the standard of what God will accept... Well, then it's easy to feel good that you have peace, security. See, a thief in the night, the day of the Lord, is not just when Jesus comes back. It's a day of judgment. And every one of us will face judgment. All of us, the entire world will face judgment. And either we're going to be found being all in, or we're going to be all out. And so when people walk around saying, oh, I've got peace, I've got security, because I know all God wants is for me to be a good person. I know all he wants is for me to be moral. I know all he wants for me is to be nice. If I can do those things, then I know I've got peace and security with God. That's not how it works. But so many of us, and Paul references it here, are living in darkness. People are in the dark about the truth of God. People are in the dark that they think as long as they're religious, that they're good with God on the day of judgment. God doesn't want our religion. He wants our relationship. And so what Paul is saying here is peace and security and safety, what those people will experience is destruction. They'll be destroyed. Their, their, their false hope, their, their false truth will be destroyed. So many times we hear people today talking about your truth. 
What is your truth in life? And if you're comfortable with your truth, well, then God will be comfortable with your truth. No, God's comfortable with God's truth. And we've got to love God and we've got to love others. And see, friends, this is the encouraging news that, that Paul is giving. He says, look, you are not like this. You are not children of the dark. He says, you are children of the light. You are children of the day. You know the good news. So when that day of the Lord comes, you're not going to be fearful. You're going to be excited. You're going to be confident because you know the Lord. I used to pray that Jesus would come back, particularly when I was taking tests in seminary. I was like, come back now. Come back now. He didn't come back. But if he did, I, I know I would have been, been excited. One, because I wouldn't have had to take that test. But two, because Jesus was back. Can you sit here today and say that if the heavens opened up and it wasn't rain that was coming down, but it was Jesus coming down, would you be filled with fear or faith? If you're all in, if you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, it will be the day of encouragement. And that's what Paul is trying to give here. Paul is trying to give encouragement to the Thessalonians saying, look, you should be encouraged that you are children of the day. You are children of the light. Jesus is going to come back and it's going to be a celebration and it's going to be a party. But so often we don't do that. Paul is saying here, he reminds the Corinthians of this. He says, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, and whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Have you ever thought that God has, has rescued you and I from the darkness of this world, the darkness of our own minds, the darkness of our own thinking? I used to have the darkness to think that as long as I was religious, that that was okay with God. And I've told you all this before. I believed in my mind, the darkness of my mind, if I was in church 52 times a year, one for every Sunday, in whatever combination, that's all God wanted. So I used to go to church sometimes three times on one Sunday in college just so I could hit that 52 at the end of the year. My, my thinking was dark. I was thinking that it was like what I do. I was thinking about the wrong things. But God has saved us through Christ. If you're trying to earn your way into heaven, if you're trying to be extra nice or extra moral or extra good, that's dark thinking. God has saved us through Christ and, and we've been transferred and transformed into the kingdom of forgiveness. Listen to what the author of Hebrews says. He says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. That day is judgment day. We need to be encouraging to one another because we have the good news. We have the good news of the gospel that Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. Jesus loves you. That is encouraging news. Let's encourage one another. Let's encourage one another to pray more and to worship more and to study more. Say, let's get together because God is good. Is God good? Amen. Is God good? Amen. God is good. We need to be encouraging one another in the faithfulness of God. Encouragement goes such a long way. When you encourage people, it will change their countenance. It will change how they stand. And when we encourage, when we spur one another on in the Lord, it does something in people's lives. When people know that they're missed when they're not at worship, when people know they're missed when they're not at youth group, when people know they're missed when they're not at small group, that is encouraging. Say, hey, we missed you. We really want you to be here. When we are encouraging people, spurring one another on, 
they will be encouraged by the hope, by the good news of the gospel. And that's what Paul was saying. Be encouraged because you are children of the light. Be encouraged because you know the hope and truth of Jesus. Paul also is reminding the Thessalonians of who they are not. They are not children of the darkness. They are not thinking wrong. And what he does is he kind of compares and contrasts children of the light and children of the darkness. And this is a great way for you and I just to kind of be reflective and say, well, where am I? Paul says that if you are a child of the light, a child of God, then you are awake. I mean, you are, you are dialed in. You are in your Bible and your Bible is in you. You are in worship and worship is in you. But if you are not awake, you are asleep, Paul says. Don't be like those who are asleep. And a lot of people are sleepwalking through their life and sleepwalking through their relationship with God. If you or if you know somebody that sleepwalks, you know it can be very dangerous. They can run into things, they can bang into walls, and they won't even remember that it happened. Sometimes that's how people are walking through their faith. They're sleepwalking, they're disengaged, they're disconnected. They're not involved. They don't really worship consistently or worship at all. The only time they hear the Bible is maybe when a preacher says it. You know, they don't really connect with what God is doing through his word. And sometimes we just kind of sleepwalk through it. We just kind of, kind of get conditioned that every seven days we just show up and we hear somebody blather on for a little while. We become conditioned. We're sleepwalking through life. And see, what happens is when we get comfortable... Everybody's got that comfy spot, that comfy chair. You know, oh, this is comfy. Probably a lot of people are going to get there today after church. It's raining. Let me find my comfy clothes and my comfy spot. And you're going to find that comfy spot. And then you get a little drowsy, you know. And then maybe you put some golf on and then you're out. Right? <laughs> I mean, you're out, right? You're, you're just sleeping no matter where you are. That's what happens in our faith. We get comfortable. I'm a part of a church. And, oh, I go once in a while and they love me. And all of a sudden, you go, well, I'm a little sleepy. I'm not going this week. The next thing you know, you're just asleep. And you haven't read your Bible in weeks. And you haven't worshipped in months. You haven't prayed in a long time. And see, that's what happens. We start sleepwalking through our faith. But Paul says, be awake. Be alert. Be down and live in the shadow of the second coming. That Jesus could come at any moment. That Jesus could come at any moment. Are we ready, church? If we're all in, it's a moment of joy. If we're not all in, it's a moment of fear. So Paul says, be awake, don't sleepwalk. The second way in which he kind of compares and contrasts is just be sober, don't be drunk. And that sober is be sober enough to realize the only hope we have is Jesus. That's the only hope we have is Jesus Christ. Because all of us are sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us is imperfect. Every one of us makes mistakes. And you can't work that off. You can't be good enough or nice enough or moral enough. You can't, we only hope we have is Jesus. But we can become so drunk with other thinking. We can become drunk with religion will save me. Or we can become drunk that doing nice things will save me. Or we can become drunk that being moral will save me. Or we can become drunk with I'm not like them, so I must be saved. We can become so drunk with the worldly, darkened thinking that we become so discouraged and say, I've got to work harder, I've got to be nicer, I've got to be more moral. 
There is no hope in that thinking. The only hope we have is that we are children of the day. We are a child of God. That is our hope. That is our encouragement. And if we're all in, we've got to be encouraged by the good news of the gospel. Nothing about the church. The church is a collection of people. It's not a building. But if each one of us is encouraged by the good news and encouraging other with good news, it's amazing what will happen. And so that's that's what Paul is saying. He says, be encouraged. Have a sober understanding of who you are, that you are a sinner. You are imperfect. You'll never be right before God. But because you know and accept Jesus as your Savior, be encouraged. Don't be drunk by the world's thinking that you don't need to be faithful every day. You don't need to pray every day. You don't need to submit your life and your marriage and your kids and your finances to Jesus. Don't get drunk on that kind of thinking that the world says you can't. Jesus says, I already did. The world will always try to discourage us and get us drunk on thinking we can't. But Jesus, if we're sober, Jesus says, yes, you can because I did on the cross. And so that's what Paul is saying here. He says, be awake and be sober in every way. And then he says, you know what? Put on, put on the, 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 the helmet of hope and the breastplate of salvation. See, what, what Paul is talking about here is our image of God. And sometimes our image of God is flawed. We sometimes think of God as a grandpa. And I'm going to describe a grandpa. And let me see if you know this grandpa. Always slip in your kids some candy, some money, never tells them they're wrong, lets them stay up as late as they want. And every time you say, well, how were the kids? Oh, they were angels. They were just perfect little kids. And you're like, my kids? <laughs> See, we think that's how God is. We think God's going to be like, man, I just love you. You are so adorable. You never did anything wrong. God is not a grandpa. God is a warrior. He's a warrior. And that's why Paul says that we need to get ready for battle. Paul says it like this. He says, but um, put on the faith and put on, a, put on a helmet of faith and love as a breastplate. And that goes to what he says in Ephesians. Put on the full armor of God. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. The breastplate of righteousness in plate. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And, and you can read the rest up there. But see, if we're all in, when Jesus comes back, we will stand with Him in the army of God instead of being judged by the army of God. See, that's the encouraging news. That's the encouraging news. And we see in Isaiah how they describe Jesus as he put on righteousness as his breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Friends, Jesus is coming back. And, and he's coming back and he's going to judge. And if we are all in and if we love God and we love others, friends, that is encouraging news because we know that we will stand with God. But if we buy into the drunken thinking of our world, then we're going to stand before God. And that's a whole different thing. So Paul has, has laid this out. And you might say, well, gosh, that, that doesn't seem real encouraging, Pastor. We're talking about judgment. But listen to what Paul says here. And, and this is so cool in verse 9. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus. See, if you are a child of God living in the day and you are all in and you have given your life to Jesus, you have been appointed for salvation and not wrath. 
You will be saved. You will experience the glory of God for all of eternity. And friends, that is encouraging news. That if you are all in, that you have been appointed for the joy of Jesus' salvation forever. And that is encouraging news. And we need not only to live with that encouraging news, but share that encouraging news. And that's what Paul reminds them. He says, invest in one another. Build one another up. Just as you are doing. When we are encouraging one another to say, God's got this. God's got you. God's got a plan for your life. Trust Jesus. We are investing in each other's lives, building each other up in the faith. Encouragement changes people. Look, we live in a culture right now that does not seem very encouraging. Social media can just tear people down. And you open up the newspaper or look at the news online and you can become so discouraged. But encouraging news is in the gospel. Encouraging news is that we are not children of wrath, but we are appointed for salvation. I began by talking to you about my friend Petey McDonald. This is his 40th year, as I said. What I didn't tell you is that Petey has special needs. The doctor said he wouldn't live past four years old. He is 59 this year. He is known throughout our community. He has changed our community to the point if he walks in to get a slice of pizza, in order to make sure that he crosses the road safely, the pizza place is shut down and the owners walk him across the street because he'll just stop in the middle of the street and just start waving to any car that's driving by. He would always come up to you after the game and say, Enthusiasm, Jeff! Enthusiasm! You can do it! He would say things when people were on the foul line shooting. He would say, Shoes untied! Shoes untied! <laughs> he did all these hysterical things. Do you know that the most popular park in my town has now been renamed the Petey McDonald Park? He is an encourager. And so many people have been changed by his encouragement. And we need some encouragement in our world today. Because we live in a culture right now that feels like there is no encouragement at all. And so we're going to do something about that. We're going to start today something called the Encouragement Challenge. I'm going to ask uh, our ushers if they could come up and help me pass these, uh, pass these things out. And here's what we're going to do. I think we've got it up there. Um, we're going to ask you to do three things this week. I have one other person. Thanks, Curtis. Three things this week. Encourage somebody face-to-face. And no, it can't be the person sitting next to you. Find somebody that's outside of your immediate family and encourage them. Maybe you're at Target this week and somebody packs your bags and you say, hey, thanks so much for packing my bags. I really appreciate you doing that. Encourage them. Maybe... You know, maybe you're out to dinner and, and you have really good service. And maybe you just want to say, can I talk to the manager and just say, I just want to encourage you. We had great service this week. And we want to do, that. do something face to face. Secondly, encourage somebody electronically. Many of us, if not all of us, have access to email, social media, or some other way. Send an encouraging note to somebody. Say, hey, I just appreciate you. I'm praying for you. I know you're going through something, but God's got it. God's got you. Send somebody that message electronically so they start their day with this awesome, encouraging text 
or this email when they open it up amongst all of the emails that we get. There's one there that's encouraging people that you say, hey, I'm praying for you. God's got you. Thank you. And then lastly, for some of us, it may be old school. Drop somebody a note. There's nothing like a handwritten note. We've got the Dove notes in the back. They're free. You could go grab one of those right now. Fill it out. There's even postage on it. If not, just write somebody a little note. Think about how you have felt when somebody sent you a note. How that encouraging note, how that made you feel. Or, or you got that wonderful text. Or you opened up an email and it was, wow, that was really encouraging news. Encouragement changes people. So here's the thing. If we all do that, that's three people. We could probably affect 300 people. If we do three different people this week. And we're going to send out a social media post that will be up later today or tomorrow. Don't just like the post, but share it. Because this card is going to be on that post. And let's see how many people we can get to just be encouraging. See, if we want to be all in, if we want to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves, we've got to be encouraging one another. Imagine how we will change each other's lives. Imagine how your life will be changed when you begin to be an encourager. 40 years, P.D. McDonald has changed lives, and now he just changed yours. All the way in Bennington, Nebraska, you heard about this guy who has changed a community by encouragement. What if each one of us was encouraging like Paul, like the Thessalonians? Imagine what we could do. I'm going to ask Sarah and our worship team to come back up, and I want to ask you just to, just to begin to pray. Each of those cards has a little box so you can check which one that you did. Put it up on your fridge. Put it in your Bible. Put it in your car. Take it to work. We've given these to all of the kids in the kids' ministry. And Joe has these all that he's going to give out to all of the youth at their meeting today and at their meeting tonight. We want to start a revolution of encouragement. Because, friends, we have the greatest news ever, the gospel, that God loves us. He sent his only son to die for our sins. We should be encouraged and be an encourager. Amen?